friends, welcome back to another very special episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my co-host who always brings his own weapons, Alex Dandino. All right, before today's very special episode, um, a little business. Guys, it's official. We are on Patreon.com. That's Patreon.com slash Film Alchemist Pod. For as little as $1 a month, guys, you can join our community over on Patreon. Uh, we have four tiers to choose from. The nice thing is the more you climb the tier ladder, you get to actually select the episodes that you uh, can make us talk about. And we will gladly do that for you. We have an entire library of patron-exclusive curated episodes, all kinds of fun stuff and extra content we're working on adding through the rest of the year so that by the time you guys are there, you will know that we are always working hard to earn your money. I know it's hard to earn money, and so we want to make sure we're doing that for you. So thank you for those of you who already support the Patreon. Love you. thank you. For those of you who are about to, in advance. Uh, something you can do for free to help the show, guys. Please leave us a rating and review wherever you find us, especially if that be Apple Podcast app. <laughs> We're going to get our starboard cannons firing at the algorithm so that we can take over like Sky. You know what, what I mean. What are it, you it's talking nice. about? I wanted to make it dramatic as hell. It's nice. It's nice. If you guys leave us five stars and a couple sentences, it's nice and it helps us out. Thank you for that. Go to YouTube, subscribe to our channel, Film Alchemist, where you can see video versions of most of these podcasts, along with some other content we're working on for you over there. See, guys, that's the thing. We always working. We out here grinding, guys, for you. Uh, you can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. You can find us on all the socials you're on. We're very easy to get a hold of. We love talking movies with you guys. Uh, so get a hold of us, guys. It's easy. Help the show out. We'll help you out. Let's be friends. Be cool, bro. Oh, right. That's enough business. Today, the pod embarks on a terrifying journey through time and space. Uh, this month, July, the pod travels in time. So we have... For your viewing pleasure this month, we have Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. We're going to do 12 Monkeys. We're waiting on the patrons to pick their movie. So if you're a patron, you get a vote on our fourth movie of the curation. Get on it. And today, starting with perhaps my favorite. Well, it's hard to say that. But one of my favorite time travel movies of all time, Safety Not Guaranteed. This is an indie comedy drama sci-fi starring mark duplis aubrey plaza jake johnson karen this, sony yeah. Kristen bell jeff so garland many. marilyn rice Cup. it's an amazing cast so many so many so many names alex says so many names what i love about this movie is that the big sci-fi is there an idea but it takes it back to the the backseat to the real people journey right and to me, I've always held true to the premise that only really unhappy people would time travel, right? No one who has uh, a life that they enjoy would really risk that to time travel, I don't think, right? As Jake uh, Johnson says in the movie, right, I want to go see dinosaurs and blah, blah, blah. No, you don't. 
you wouldn't want to leave your kids and all your happy shit to go see dinosaurs, I don't think. What I like, this movie asked the question, though. Aren't we all sad enough <laughs> to time travel? And that's what is great about time travel <laughs> movies is the universality of if we could go back and take one more shot, wouldn't we, right? So, mm -hmm. Alex, hit me with your opening thoughts on this fucking gem of movie, Safety Not Guaranteed. Yeah, man, I love I love this movie. Uh, I think I saw it in the theater after you told me to see it. I don't remember if yeah, that was how it... I saw it opening day in L.A., and I loved it. That's what it was. I think Andre and I went and, got, went and saw it. But either way, this is just like one of those... This is one of those movies that is just... Just a barn burner, man. You don't... It doesn't stop. It doesn't need to. Like, And not only that, like you were saying, it just... It does such a good job of interweaving what is fantastical and science fiction-y with what really is the core of the story, which is about regret, loss, about what we really want out of life, those kinds of things. Again, the things that make people interesting is what makes this movie interesting, not the science fiction of it all, which I think is a very important thing when it comes to movies like this. Yeah, well, a lot of time travel movies get caught up in the how do you make the machine? What is the machine? Right. Uh, what are the paradoxes we face? This and that. This movie and Colin Trevorrow, the director, right? He wrote it too, I think. Him and, this uh, movie eschews him that, and Derek right? Connolly. Yeah, so this movie kind of brushes that away and says enough of that, right? What I like yeah. is this is this would be the ascent. If most time travel movies are Apollo 13, right? This is the, hey, let's just watch training montage and then we cut as soon as the rockets ignite, right? And that is is a good thing sometimes man i like the idea that the time traveling back because it's the thing when movies take place in the past right when we're time traveling past or future what you're saying is that inherently the present day is not enough right what i like about this movie is that it takes its time while it shows us the the kind of rough and bitter edges of everyday life across many many people it also always finds this sweet laugh, right? And Aubrey Plaza becomes this perfect lead actress for this film, right? Yeah. Because everything about her says cynical, I hate you, I'm judging you, I don't want to be a part of this. But as we watch her give this really heartwarming performance as this woman who has experienced loss and is trying to make her way through the world, she just sees this man, right? And he's he's a strange, unusual man, but you're struck by how rare we see people that are just truly going for it in life. Yeah. And watching her honestly buy in and open up, it rem this movie does a great job of reminding us that the best part of a time travel movie should be remembering that now is always what matters. I think so, too. And I think that's a really – I think it's interesting getting into this movie. The inverse happens almost immediately is that you really admire uh, Kenneth. Um, Mark Duplass's character for, like you said, just going for it. It's interesting because, like, Jake Johnson's character is sort of supposed to be. It's he's supposed to be the audience, and this is something that always strikes me about this movie: is he's supposed to be us, like completely cynical, completely detached, those kinds of things. We yeah. all so look at my car. Doesn't that say everything about me? Like one of those douches. Yeah, exactly. Like when we all so badly want to be. We also badly spend the movie, like the very beginning of the movie, trying to be Darius. Like we all see ourselves in Darius, which is Aubrey Plaza's character. But really, who we all want to be is Mark Duplass. 
like this is not just in real life because Mark Duplass is an awesome guy, but like also because, (laughs) but also because Kenneth is such an, Kenneth is, it's not a matter of believing in what it is. Like, I think that's a really important distinction that comes up in the movie, but also is a really important distinction to watch as a viewer is like, Kenneth is not necessarily a believer. Like Kenneth is an experiencer. Kenneth has already done this. And I think that that's, that's a defining characteristic of someone who like everyone thinks is full of shit in this movie is that he's really not because he's been there. He knows it like for him to believe in himself because he knows he's done it. That is like the thing that's most inspiring. So really this movie is very deceptive in that it takes you right into Kenneth's brain and right into the ability to just like sort of glob onto him in the way that we all need to. Right. And I think that's one of the fun things about the film, right? Because Kenneth is, I mean, I hope they paid uh, the Napoleon Dynamite crew at least a little kickback for just completely jocking all of Napoleon's styles, right? I mean, there are lines in this film that you're like, God, they they must have just said, you know, it's like the Vanilla Ice versus Queen thing. How can we change just enough to not have Napoleon Dynamite get litigious, right? That's the sequel we never got. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. I feel like the difference was is that Napoleon Dynamite, the movie, takes a really long time to ask us to like Napoleon. I think we are using him as an idol of ridicule and mockery, right? We are supposed to be laughing at Napoleon and Kip yeah. for the vast majority of the movie until it keeps going. You're like, you know what? This is horrible laughing at this guy. Like, I'm sick of it. And when he busts a move and dances, you're like, I'm with him. I think Kenneth is the opposite where we want to like him so much because when he goes after Jake Johnson's character, right? And he's just like, what is that smile, man? What What are you? I think we immediately bond to a man who's just like you're so fucking full of shit Mm -hmm. and the guy that we all really are right this gets back to the you know every time i have an amazon package come and it's another thing i don't need i remember this theory of right we just buy these things so that someday someone will see it and they will now equate that with me right oh he has hellboy library editions that means he's you know 5.2 q ons whatever better human being whatever the fucking (laughs) metric is for this right 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 And it's kind of a sad, pitiful existence we find ourselves in, right? This just buying shit so that people will see it and think we're cooler. And then we got to work these fucking jobs we hate so we can buy the stupid shit that lets people know that we're cool and worth hanging out. And it's really annoying. And to see this man, because Jake, when he even drives up, he's like, look at this shithole house, blah, blah, blah. By the end of the movie, you're like, the greatest scientific breakthrough in the history of mankind just happened at this shithole house with a guy who's wearing denim and a mullet. So the movie right away puts us on liking him. What I think is one of the really fun games is that we we start to question Kenneth a lot, right? By the end of the movie, it's pretty dicey as to who we think Kenneth is. Right. But well, there's a lot of, yeah, like there's a lot of unreliability yeah. with the character. And I think that's, yeah, it comes automatically from a movie like this where like someone claiming something so dubious in a way, like, something so unbelievable like just mm. not within the realm of like like always within the realm of science fiction but not within the realm of actual possibility so to address it in a way that is this is the thing that like like primers another great example of like low budget time travel movie primer does it 
very scientifically and like literally there's no soul in the movie at all but like there's there's this level of like you have to like you have to just you have to grab on and hold tight to the people that are going to believe themselves like that so even though we spend like half more than half of the movie doubting kenneth's story completely doubting everything kenneth's saying like every single time he opens his mouth it seems like bullshit you want to believe him that's a huge part of this movie is you just want to believe him it doesn't matter nothing else matters yeah, and I think one of the strange things is I think if you could go back and watch the movie for a first time again, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone thought the movie would end with him actually time traveling. No, not right? at all. It feels like the movie that's setting you up for the boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And it's like, okay, man, we still have forged a bond. It's fine. Uh, and that becomes the fun thing, right, is that, that the time travel just fades away. But the whole movie is still operating as a time travel story. Yes. Right? And the funny thing is that Kenneth becomes a time traveler in this story. Jake Johnson is a time traveler in this story. And Aubrey Plaza is almost watching these two time travel stories, right? Whereas Jake Johnson is a time traveler trying to return to his past. Mm -hmm. Kenneth is almost a person from the past who has been transported here. Yeah. So it's still in a really fucking weird way operating as a time travel movie with not a lick of time travel until the final <laughs> shot. Right. But I mean, it's a that, pretty clever trick for no budget. It is a great <laughs> trick. I mean, it's again, it seems like all the budget was saved for that last shot, which is fun. <laughs> like, I, I, by the way, that's not a knock. Like, I, I don't besmirch anybody. Like, this movie was made for 750 grand. Like, yeah. In the world of making movies, that's like making a movie for like ten dollars. So yeah, as far as with I'm all concerned, these actors, and with shit, all yeah. these actors, like this is also let's see, this came out in 2012, so they probably shot this in 2010 or 2011, maybe. This is before any of these guys are like hyper mega famous. This was after Aubrey Plaza did. Uh, like I was reading, the reason she is in this movie and they courted her for this was because Derek Connolly originally wrote this as a buddy comedy, and instead turned it into after he watched Aubrey Plaza and funny people and turned it into a movie with her in mind for the, for Darius. So like there's this very specific, there's this very specific vibe that's meant to be going with this. So like, I think this is a great example of like why we do this pod is all of these pieces in this movie had to come together for it to be the great movie that it is. One of these people missing from the cast makes this movie not work. And I think that's a really, really particular thing about not just casting, but just in general, this kind of movie is to make a movie for less than a million dollars work and like make four million dollars itself and kind of change the face of because this movie also went almost I think Netflix almost put this almost immediately on streaming after they bought it. Like it came out in the theater and then they put it almost immediately on streaming like a month later. This is like an actual like I've I did not know this. This is actually like an influential movie for the decade of like how streaming has become streaming. Yeah. No fucking idea. But that's what I mean. It's that, that movie that just found its path and it's such a good movie, but this is the kind of thing that gets consumed by megaplexes, right? Cause it's like, Oh, we got to have fucking fast and the furious on 15 screens. Absolutely. That leaves us two more. Right. And, uh, you know, Bruce Willis will be in something this month and it just gets dropped out. 
and I, the casting in this movie is really good, right? And I think the funny thing about Aubrey Plaza in this movie, because I think, I think you could replace everyone in the movie, honestly. I don't think you could replace her, though. And I'm not saying you should. Everyone is amazing at their work. Sure. Roles. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah. But I'm saying I really, truly, I love when you see an actor in a role and you're like, I just don't think anyone else could do that. Right. Because Aubrey Plaza does this really brilliant turn in this movie where, one, it's just she's so perfectly cynical. And there's something so lyrical about watching the way that she is so easily able to mock him to his face. Right. And she doesn't see or he doesn't seem to notice because that is her tongue. That is how Aubrey Plaza exists in all of our minds. Right. Like when she runs up and Jake Johns or Jake Johns gets smashed out right away. Right. And she runs up and she does the, you know, well, if your article wasn't written so poorly, blah, blah, blah. Right. And confronts him and puts him on his heels. And then the game is changed. What I think is brilliant about this movie and why it's my favorite of her performances is you see this inner light dying to escape this black hole of a character that she always plays. And that was so fun to watch. She plays it so perfectly. Yeah. Because you even start in the opening, right? She's like, I guess I remember being happy as a kid when you just accepted things the way they were and it was fine. And then mom died and, you know. And it just instantly puts you in that, yeah, we've all had that thing that hardens us and scars us and leaves us wanting, right? Yeah. And in a way, she's also in a time travel movie because she's stuck in time. It's almost as if she never was able to start a life. Right. So although she's interning and trying to get other jobs, she feels like a character at the start of this film that is absolutely stagnant. Yeah. So you get the three perspectives. Yeah, well, I, I agree. I like that everybody is everybody's trying to get somewhere in this movie, but nobody understands how to get how to get there. Like that's a really it's a really salient point. I, I like what you said there because like it is a really important thing that yeah, Darius has literally just been waiting. She has absolutely no. She's been like she's been yeah, waiting, which for, I feel like a lot of us relate to. <laughs> absolutely, like I'm not saying like my mother died in front of me or anything, but like I think a lot of us can relate to the fact that ultimately, yeah, like some of us feel stagnant. You feel like you're not accomplishing what you want to come. Like it starts with her as an intern at a, a fucking Seattle paper. Like that's just she's like she literally is like Marilyn Ricecup plays like the editor or whatever, and she's just like. Not really berates her, but just completely dismisses her when she walks. And she's like, oh, she's a sack of shit. She's she's a sack of shit, boss. She's a terrible (laughs) boss. But like, she's like, oh, it's just the intern. Like, that's the kind of thing. Like, Darius has spent her entire life. Like, she smart, graduated college, but she just doesn't know how to start her life. And Jake Johnson is right there where right there as well. But he's moving so far into the past. He wants so badly for the past to work, work out again. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's what makes the entrance of Kenneth so, Kenneth so interesting. Interesting is because Kenneth, not necessarily about presenting the opportunity, because none of these guys, when they hear it, believe that it's correct. Even when reading the ad itself, they're this is fucking nutty. They stake the guy out at his place because they know he's a fucking weirdo. But like, he Kenneth presents this opportunity of like this is someone who's not necessarily. This is someone who's moved both forward, like 
forward and backward. Like he feels both things. He's been to both places almost. They see someone that you can kind of be jealous of almost. It's kind of, it's very fascinating. Like it's a strange, it's a weird way to put it, I know, but like there's just something very strange about how they react to Kenneth. Not necessarily like the first interaction because you have to have something like that. This is supposed to be sort of a comedy, so like you have to have that beat. But he represents so much of what these two characters particularly want out of life. It's it's weird. It's He's able to say, I truly don't give a fuck, which none of us can. I mean, the, the lie at the core of Kenneth is that he absolutely, truly gives a fuck. Yes. More than every other character in the movie, right? Totally. We see him when he has meltdowns about, you know, uh, when his ear falls off, his prosthetic ear. And he's taken right back to when he was mocked as a child and he has this really traumatic outburst, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we see these things keep kind of boiling up, right? Um, By the way, I completely forgot about the ear bit. Like, I had totally spaced that, totally too. I don't spaced. know why. That never, you know, stuck with me. But, yeah, I thought it was really cool today because there, there is a childishness to Kenneth in this movie. And I don't say that as a bad thing. Right? No. I think what happened, because you, you were saying, and it really struck me, is that, you know, we all don't know how to start our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm old, man. I'm getting old. I feel that I'm getting old. People tell me I'm getting old. In my mind, when I think of myself, I think what I think of myself as is that guy who just got out of college. And I'm I'm an adult, and I'm in the adult world. And I find myself at Menards randomly on weekdays. And I'm like, I'm doing the things that my parents did. And I'm doing old people shit. Right. Right? But I feel like I'm waiting for my life to start. I'm waiting for the great adventure to come or the the big splash. And, you know, sometimes we're all guilty of that. Like, I'll be like, you know, sitting there. I was like, oh, I got to do this and this. And my wife's just like, play with your fucking kids. Like, go play with your kids. Right. And you just forget that. It's all happening, man. And so I think that's a really important point. And what Kenneth represents and the childishness of Kenneth, again, not as an insult, is that I think children absolutely can exist in that zone, right? Where children are hyper aware of they know what they want and they know what they like and that's just what they do and that's how they exist. Right. It isn't until they start getting into school and having friends and other people keep telling them what they should and shouldn't be that you start to see these neuroses that we all have develop. Right. Right. And Kenneth seemingly, cause it's all a lie exist in that state. Right. And that's, it's childlike. And we, we want him to have that. And we want to nurture that because we all remembered when it was stroke choked away from us. Right. When our hope and wonder was strangled yes, in a bathtub. Still, still hopelessly <laughs> being choked. <laughs> Just nonstop choking. Just constant. So much. <laughs> but that's what it is. Like you that's what makes Kenneth such an inspiring character is you just you so badly want to be you, you want to keep that mind. I think that's we all know we're being choked of this like creativity, this force of nature in us that says like it's okay to like dream and to ponder and to wonder about things that you don't understand. And I think we all spend so much time trying so hard not to let go of that. We also end up addressing the fact that it's never 
feeling. It feels like we're it's slipping it through our fingers because we're grasping yeah. it so tightly. And I think that's what makes Kenneth so inspiring is like Kenneth Kenneth works at a fucking grocery store. Like he's not like he's not a he's not a homeless person. He works at a grocery store. He has a job. He communicates with people. But he has this thing. He has a thing that he'll never give up on cuz that's that's his thing. And I think that's probably the that's what makes the inspiration of Kenneth that much more interesting throughout the movie is like, he's not going to give up. It's not a matter of like, I have, there's a matter of a mission of course, but it's not necessarily, there's a matter of a mission and you know, I'm tragic in that way. Like he's like, there's tragedy in the way that the story comes out. Yeah. But, there's not tragedy in how passionate he is to accomplish this thing that he thinks he, that he knows he can accomplish. Not thinks, knows he sure. can accomplish. Well, just like you said, the guy in the grocery store who's just, you know, a normal guy working his way through the world. And online, some scientist is like, hey, man, fuck you. You're not one of us. And he's like, I figured it out, man. I'll, I'll do what I need to do, right? That destruction of... I guess there's even gatekeeping and timekeeping, right? Like, and he fucking <laughs> obliterates that. Right. And so that's a moment where all like, yeah, fuck yeah, that's metal. The weird part of the film that I had kind of forgotten and that plays real. I mean, it is just throwing emotional haymakers at us at this point. Right. Is how much they, they dirty up Kenneth, right? Like when they're following him and he thinks that couple's following him, he gets out and pulls a shotgun out of his car. Right. Right later when they're robbing a place, he stole that van. He goes in with a gun and a ski mask. And you're like, oh shit, things just got kicked up a notch. Yeah. And they do a really they they really swiftly come in and start adding the yuck so we know that Kenneth is not truly a threat to harm anyone. Right, right. right. And that maybe that first gun we saw is fake because this gun is fake. Because there's an after party and he doesn't attack anyone. That we know he's safe, but he's stealing government lasers. We find out later that he broke into a particle accelerator. So there are these things about Kenneth and these emotional outbursts that really put you on edge. And I think that, again, in a lot of time travel movies, the tension is, oh, God, did I change the future? Will I right. be able to get back? I need time travel fuel, like whatever the things are. I think what it is in this one is Kenneth is our time machine. Back to that simpler days for all of us, right? Oh, yeah. And we're sitting there and we're like, the bolts are going to explode and our time machine is not going to make it. When we get to Belinda, it's a gut-wrenching segment of the film. Yes. And I think what's more interesting, too, is like how... I guess not more interesting, but either way, like I love that this movie... You brought it up. I love that this movie does not focus on like damaging the future, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff that we always have to hear about regarding... like literally every single time travel movie that ever came out, which is about not ruining the future. Don't ruin the future. Don't changing the past ruins the future. All this stuff. Like this guy wants to change the past. He wants to change the future. Like I think that that is the, that's the result of all the cynicism that comes from like that level of time travel storytelling. Like that's what this movie's trying to accomplish is making time travel a positive experience actually. And like not it being about like, Oh boy, if you step on a butterfly, we're all going to be like ant people yeah. or something. Well, if you think it out, this is really natural born killers in the time space continuum. It's the right? second natural born killers reference we've had tonight. There you go. So he goes back in time with 
Aubrey Plaza. They go back in time and they're like, now I'm going back for you. So what that tells me is that they're the ones that run her mom off the road and murder her on milk night. <laughs> right? Because they know that'll send her spiraling into the newspaper where the man who still opines for Oceanside exists. How do you think he came across that ad? He's really just reading the ocean spray every day and finding it? No. They foisted it upon him. They knew he was the lackey that would get them. And they knew that he'd pick her because he's a he's a poon hound. Right. And so they set this all. They went back in time and set this up. It actually is a cynical evil damaging and fighting the future. We're all puppets movie. But, you know, with this nice folksy uh, spin on it. <laughs> that was just a theory I came up with as the movie. ended. But that's either here nor there. But I do like <laughs> the bottom that. of that boat is smeared with her dead mother. That's what I'm saying. But I do like the idea that I do like the idea where she's like this. Um, I like that, though. The beat where you said, because, um, you know, she says, like, I'm going back for. Um, what she's what is the line again? I'm reading. Hang on, I'm reading right I'm now. going back for you this time is what right. he says. To her. I'm going back for you. Like, yeah, I like that, though. Like the beat being going like it's almost like i'm saying i'm going back to have spend more time with you i want i want all the time with you oh when do you think they're setting that time machine are we talking garden of eden times i don't think th i'm not at all saying that we're just gonna fucking wear leaves and beat cheeks every day because <laughs> there is no responsibilities here but i'll but see because like i i've always been sort of fascinated by that line like for him to be like i'm going back for you like that's a good point. That's a really crazy line. It's a weird. She's thing. right there. She's right there. Like the. Like, oh, you know what, though? Because them agents is there, man. Them agents is there. OK, he's well, going down. He's going down right, right now. But it's like one of those things. Where, like, so have we been misinterpreting the line? Like not I'm going back for you. It's like I'm going back for you. I'm going back with you. Right. OK. So maybe this that the line is not necessarily I'm going to go back for you like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to I'm going to like I'm going to go back and kill your mom and we'll set this all up. Right. It's not like that kind of thing. It's like I'm going back. I'm going like I'm not going to go back to like save Belinda or whatever he thinks happened to Belinda because Belinda you find. Yeah, Belinda, you that whole thing with Belinda being like, yeah, it's gut wrenching. And also you're like, there's the unreliability of. Kenneth, in yeah. general, you're like, okay, now all of this feels completely not real. Like, it's not until, like, there's where, like, the glass shatters and you're like, okay, this is all obviously a fucking setup. And then, like, you get to the ending and, again, that's what the ending is. But I was thinking about it today. Maybe it's not about, like, maybe it's not I'm going to go back and change something. It's now, like, let's go back together and just live somewhere and be somewhere together. Yes. Like, I'm not going to go back and save Belinda. I'm not going to go back and save anybody else. I'm going to go back and just be with you. I'm going back for you for us to just be together. Yeah. And it's it's strange, too, because you would imagine that ending that because that's the one thing I did say. I was like, well, they are definitely killing her mom. Uh, <laughs> the two yes. reporters are definitely going to get Mo as soon as this is over because they've seen too much. Oh, yeah. Or they're just going to be got straight up. Murder. They're going to be floating in that lake. Right. Oh, no, they've, the, really, the, they've been, like, ionized or some shit. Yeah, they're gone. And then the pie mom's going to be like, oh, I done killed him. Uh, whatever. And 
<laughs> but I was like, it's such a strange ending because we see Jake Johnson doing the fucking uh, Breakfast Club fist pump. Yeah. Why do the agents not do shit? Why are these the only agents in movie history that do not fucking lift a finger? They are at that barn when Jake Johnson runs in the house and forewarns them. Right. They see them run into the woods. Why are they there late? They don't have fucking firearms. They see this thing for all they know. It's a fucking nuclear bomb. They don't take a couple pot shots at, uh, you know, Denim Napoleon over there. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? I couldn't figure it out. Why do you think? This is something else I've always pondered with time travel is that time itself can defend itself somewhat as an organism, right? Do you think that the universe can exist if time is constantly being ripped and foiled like this, right? The moment someone can travel in time, they could go back and undo everything. Maybe time, like the ocean, right? We can travel out, but it's always going to send us back. Maybe that's why the agents are so impotent. I thought that was a visual clue that maybe there's some other trickery afoot. Why did the agents not take shots, Alex? Maybe the, maybe the, okay. Is that an aged Johnny Utah? I'm <laughs> well, if it was Johnny Utah, he'd just be firing in the air and screaming. No. But ah! what, if, <laughs> what if the agents are not there to stop them? What if the agents are there to make sure that they get that they do it? So as soon as they disappear, they're like, sweet. And they go steal all of his fucking Unabomber shed. And what if those guys are what if those what if those guys were sent there by Kenneth and Darius? Oh, man. Maybe they go back in so time. Then and everyone's going to have this fucking power. Maybe they go so back they are in time. Maybe they go back in time and start the time variance story, which you guys might know of from Loki on Disney. But it's I'm also, saying. we don't get any Kenneth money from says Disney. This, yeah, we, we get nothing from Disney. <laughs> uh, Kenneth, <laughs> it's like when Brock Lesnar's like, fuck Coors Light, they didn't pay me nothing. That's me with Disney. <laughs> fuck Disney, they didn't pay me nothing. They, they got all the nothing. money. Yeah, open your fucking large purse ears. Help me out. No. Uh, <laughs> remember at the grocery store when we start. And the first thing we hear Kenneth saying is he's talking about this debate he had, right? We're like, you guys don't get it. It's there the Schrodinger's are... cat thing, right? Well, it's not Schrodinger's cat, right? Because that's cat the, the a thing can be when the lid is closed, the thing can be both dead and alive at the same time to us, right? Right. And we don't know which until we open the box. So it's a paradoxical state, right? That's probably a dumb person's way of explaining that. That might not be right. That's so Schrodinger's cat. Bear with me. Yes. But that's not what this is. He's saying is that there are alternate histories, right? So it's a weirder way of saying multiverse. Because right. I think what's important is that he doesn't say there's multiple timelines. He says there's multiple histories. Right. So I think the theory of this movie and time travel is that we can go back in our own histories, right, and do this and that. And I think, I think that's a fun wrinkle, right? Is that maybe this isn't this big grandiose thing. That maybe this is this kind of diorama of a time right now that is small and captured and that when they go back, it's not this fucking big earth universe shattering thing. Right. Um, let's talk about Jake day's ride a little bit here and then we'll go back to Kenneth. I thought it was really fun. The way they gave him the most human and relatable time travel story that we all live all the time and don't realize it's time travel. Oh yeah. I'm, what did you make of his story? I mean, it's, it's exactly what we all do. Like, it doesn't have to necessarily be a girl, but like, we all live in this. We all live in this time travel machine that we use online called social media, and he does it in the movie all the time. Yeah. Like, 
Well, it's, it's this, that, it's music, it's high school reunions, yeah, it's, all that shit is it's time It's living traveling. in the past when, like, <laughs> it's living in the past when you thought things were so much better. Or where you thought, like, really what it is is the past is this place where things, that particular part of all our pasts. And, it, you know, I'm not saying everyone's the same, but I think we can all agree that becoming adults is demonstrably more difficult than being children. Even yeah. teenagers. <laughs> yeah, a million percent. I mean, I think that, like, that is the... That is like the rose tinted glasses we all watch. We all think about teenage years from, through like, yeah, all I had to do was like get up and go to school, go to my job. If I had a job, maybe I'll go to the movies. Like those are the things I did. Like I lived my life. Like mm-hmm. we all thought of it in this way. It was like life was so much simpler than before. And like before you were an adult, adulting is being an adult is complicated. Like it's, it's hard. It's, uncomfortable like but also 10 years from now i'm gonna remember how much i enjoyed being 34 like those are gonna be those things where you're just like well that was great that was nice i had a two-year-old at that time like there's all these there's all these other aspects of time like i've always said time travel exists you just have to like actually look for it like we're like jake jill like um jake johnson does in this movie like for me time travel is my gps says i arrive somewhere in 10 minutes and i get there in eight that is time travel <laughs> that is the lamest adulting time travel no but mine is but like that's what it is when i hear um corn with a k and you're like oh god remember the early morning weight rooms right or when Hoobastank comes on and remember trying to wrestle around and share your stank with another willing wrestling combatant. It was, yeah, I remember trying to make everyone nice. think Huba Stank was cool. Yes. Dude, I fucking tried. I tried. Kenneth's task in this movie was not as gargantuan <laughs> as making people think Huba Stank was cool. I tried hard. But what I'm saying is is I, I like the notion they do it in a really dick baggy way for him when he just kind of sees her. And I thought it was a great scene, even though it's really him playing the cock, which is he's like, oh, she's like, the years have not been kind to her. It's not that she's fat, but like, uh, and he's going in on her, right? Oh, yeah. And I love when Aubrey Plaza is like, oh, you mean she's someone your age? (laughs) And I was like, whoa, man. Because when he gets with her later, right now he's turned, right? He sees the home. Mm -hmm. He gets a massage. He has the pie. He's seeing her for the human being she was, right? He's cutting through these exterior things that he doesn't like, right? When the blonde hairdresser moved aside and he was left with this, the real world version of the woman he'd fantasized about, right? And he's seeing her as a human again and he starts to fall for her again. And then he comes back and tells Aubrey Plaza, he's like, she's actually not that fat. It's this really sad and pathetic way that they unfurl his story, right? Did you think for a second that he was going to get to be happy with her? No. Not a chance. Really? No. I wanted a redemptive arc where he had to get smacked. You were like the play we did together, Fat Pig, right? Where he had to get smacked down for being like, how fucking dare you judge her in this way and treat her as like this plaything of your mind and memory? After she told you she already lost a dickhead husband like that. How dare you? And that he would have a moment of comeuppance. And he absolutely never does. No. But he's not. But that's because that's not what. Bear with me. Okay. That is not what this, that is not what that part of that version of time travel elicits going back in time in that way, taking the opportunity to travel back in your own way back machine and decide 
I want to feel a way I felt, but I won't address the fact that the world has changed. I won't address the fact that this person's a different person. What I want is the person that I wanted. That's why he doesn't get that redemption because he's made those judgments in the present when all he wants is the past. Yet the present is what's smacking him in the face and he's not liking it at all. If you can't accept the time travel in which you received, then you don't deserve the prize for it. Right. Well, we even hear her, right? When he's like, oh man, I was ripped back then. And she's like, you were not ripped. So he's altered himself in the past as well. Yeah. And what he meant to her. I like the idea of her shutting him down. I kind of would have liked to see him have a moment of reckoning and say, you know what? What I want is you right now. I don't want the past you. I want the real you. I want to change and grow with you. And maybe there's still hope for that at the end of the movie. I guess it's not written off. But and maybe because this is the thing you have to wonder with this character, right? So he goes out and his response is, hey, let's have a rager with three kids that look like they're teenagers, like young. Right. Right. And it's somewhat creepy until they show him just they show him drinking and crying and smoking a cigarette and driving a go kart. Again, kind of making a threatening behavior seem unthreatening in this movie is kind of something they do a lot. Right. But when he busts in and he's like, hey, wear this, do this, you know, trick her into fucking you. And he's like, hey, Halloween, smoke to the fucking Hot Topic kid. <laughs> I fucking died laughing at that one. And he goes outside and just sleeps on a chair. And he even tells me, he's like, these are the moments you live for. And it's weird because you ask yourself, is that the moment he's living for? Is this right now? Right. But that's like. That's sad. It is sad. But like, that's the rules. It's interesting. Like, he's the one who violates the rules of his own time travel. Like he decides to take past judgment past. He uses, he uses present judgment to change his past. He miss, he misconstrues and misuses time travel in a way. That's why Darius and Kenneth go off on their merry way. That's why they have this redemptive, like redemptive arc. I mean, redemptive is the wrong word for it, but that's why they have this arc of what they wanted. They're going to go back. They're going to go get to do what they wanted because they're using time travel appropriately to travel. Like everyone gets caught up, I think. And I think this is a really fun thing about this movie. And the thing that I like the most is everyone gets caught up with the time aspect of time travel. The travel thing is what Kenneth and Darius are using it for. He literally says it at the end of the movie. So this isn't about redeeming the past to change the future and so on and so forth. What this is about is actually surfing the waves of time, man. Let's see what's going to happen. Let's let's rip open the time space time continuum and see what we can do with it. That's what yeah. the journey is. It's not about the destination. It's the journey with these characters. Exactly. Get there. But you're left thinking with this guy. You're like, man, so he didn't learn anything. He's partying with teens. And then you're like, oh, God, when he sees that time machine, this guy's going to become a psychopath. Oh, he's yeah. going to do everything in his power to go back to these teenage years. Or like there is a menace that has been formed at the end of this movie. When he pumps his fist, it's very Dr. Doom, like declaring war on the world. Right. <laughs> I shake my fist at the gods of time. I'm coming for you. Uh, you know, and that six pack, I believe I used to have. It's kind of a sad, pathetic ending for him. How disappointing will he be when he gets back and he's just like, like thin guy six pack where just like your skin was pressed against your muscles. Skinny fat. 
Yeah, I've had. Or it's for, like no. you're skinny, but you have no muscle on your entire body. Well, like you're skinny, but like it's you're skinny and you look muscular because you just don't have any other like. There's nothing else going. Body on. fat. I think yeah. that's the goal. I mean, I think that's how you have cheekbones and all. Like I would fucking know at this point, but you know what I mean. Pass. I'm shaped like a world's strongest man who's incredibly not strong. That's my shape at this Same. stage of my life. Yeah, I have that like. Yeah. Yeah, I have. <laughs> I have that like. I have that like. 1920s strongman barrel chest. Yeah. Like at a circus, I'm just like, like yeah, Phineas, yeah. of course. Yeah, the only thing I've been lifting all day is just all the delicious carbs, but neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's get back to let's get back to dangerous Kenneth, right? What what was going through your mind when you heard Belinda's story? I mean, I he had said that she died. Yeah. And that someone had ran a car into her house. Come to find out, he had ran the car into this done it. kid's house. I mean, what was going th- through your mind in this moment? Because this was right after our night under the stars, mm-hmm. where he plays his little zither and sings a song. But that's she like, kisses him, and they have a moment, man, a fucking moment. Oh yeah, and it's an amazing beat. Like that's the fucking that's what this that's where this movie just fucking sings. Do you think they clapped it in the woods there? I don't no. think Kenneth's the class. I don't think Kim. I don't think Kenneth's Kenneth's not there. For that. All right, good. Um, good. but I mean, when you hear that story, when you hear Belinda tell the story about what actually happened, and I like, I fucking love Kristen Bell, man. Like, she just yeah. Like, so I forgot she was in this too. I so did too. Good. She literally cannot. She's just incapable of being shitty in things. Like, it's <laughs> impressive. <laughs> but and with this little part, she just takes it for a ride. But like, my first thought was like, uh. I think the thing, like the thing I remember most the first time I saw this movie was how disappointed I was. I'm like, fuck. Oh, uh, in Kenneth's actions. Yeah. Right. Well, it's like, that's like, that was the thing is like, you, cause to this point, we're more than two thirds through the movie when this happens. And you're just like, fuck. Like, I really, I like, it, we're all there like we're with all the other characters which is like i don't believe in time travel but this guy makes it sound very convincing like yeah I he's 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 kind of a peter pan in this movie right yeah but like you believe that he's definitely capable of time travel and not capable of like stealing children and sticking them on an island like yeah there's this I would say Kenneth is only slightly less creepy by the end of the movie. Than but there, but there is this like this is like what we've been talking about this entire show. There is this sense of wonder that comes with Kenneth believing that, like knowing that he can do this, that you just sort of start to believe and you buy. So like when you hear Belinda's story, like I remember the first time I was just like so crushed. You're like fuck. So this guy isn't like this guy. Like you're just like a then like you're. Then your adult brain starts coming back and your present brain says like, okay, this guy's disturbed. He has actual mental issues. Like his faculties are not correct. Like he's misremembering things. He doesn't understand. Like this is sad because now we've had right after this beautiful romantic moment, you're like, Darius is going to get crushed again. Darius will get crushed because she believed in one thing. She believed in one thing and ended up being a fucking lie. That's 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 where you're at and it's weird because i actually didn't like the romantic beat i didn't like the kiss and i don't like her jumping in with him at the end per se because it just doesn't work for me right like kenneth is really fucking creepy and 
mildly unsafe, it feels like, through a lot of the movie. Well, the safety's not guaranteed, man. Eh. Hey. Hey. Yeah, no, I like that. Uh, You're welcome. Well played. You're Fuck welcome. You. Thank no, you. Thank but, you. Uh, <laughs> but no, I... So I get her wanting to befriend him, right? Because right. she's this cynical reporter who's kind of making a lark of this, right? Right. But she can't help but be won over by this man with a code, right? And as sure. he talks about this other girl, Belinda, his mission, they share missions. And there's even the part when she tells her own mom's story and weaponizes it against Kenneth. And then somewhat comes clean, right? There's a... There's a built-in lie at the start of this relationship that is hard to reconcile. And when they come together at the end, I don't feel like Kenneth's out of the creep woods for me. <laughs> and I don't love it. Because you're like, if this were any other movie, uh, Aubrey Plaza's like molar ends up in his 10 in the truck. And we, you know, she's in an unmarked grave and we just go on to the next one. And that's how this movie would go. And so I didn't love the romantic turn, and I think they rushed it a lot at the end to where when she jumps on the boat with him, other than she's a, a woman who's waiting to start her adventure, and there clearly will never be a bigger adventure, right? This is kind of the Doctor Who thing. Every character gets in the TARDIS, and every character has a really hard life after they leave the TARDIS. Right. Once you've traveled the cosmos and time with the doctor, it's really hard to go back to that grocery store and just have a life. Right. So I I understand from that bigger perspective, I guess, why she'd want to get on the boat. I feel like it's undercutting the most important element of the movie, though, which is we should be in the moment now. Right. And they do a great job of when they're like doing gun training. Or she's recording him doing his martial arts. Right. And she just breaks into this earnest little chuckle, right? Like, oh, he just, it's fucking cute that he's, like, trying, right? That he's giving all of himself to something. By actually fleeing to the past with this borderline creepy guy that you don't really want her with. If it was any other actor than Mark Duplass, you couldn't even dare fucking get away with this ending, right? No. Like, if this is like Vincent Castle, you'd be like, no, he's going to kill you for sure. Right? Like, so, I don't That's know. That's Mickey what Rourke. You... We're all just, everybody's yeah, going to die. Yeah. Oh, God. I would wrestle myself out of the theater. Uh, what did you kind of make of this ending? Why does she get on the fucking time machine, man? I mean, it's a misinterpretation. For me, it's a misinterpretation of she does it because that's. She is living in the present. Just because you're going to the past doesn't mean you're not going to live for the present. That's spontaneity in and of itself. You're going to jump on a boat that's glowing with some random guy and saying, like, hey, I'm going to go to the past with you. That is living this in the present. This is not Panama City Beach, though. We are talking about that is living the power in the present of the gods. Anything. I mean, I'm going to say this. Getting on a boat in the middle of the woods that's, like, glowing is far less dangerous than panama city beach 1988 don't get on anything in panama city beach yeah. trust me for the love of god don't even go like, you know. but <laughs> oh man just florida's never not gonna get old um it's but i mean for me it is it's it's the ultimate proliferation of living in the present you're just gonna you're gonna take the leap of faith man you have to i don't think kenneth has earned that leap would be my contention but i mean like she does 
So he did these calculations, right? His, my calculations are flipping on point. Napoleon 2.0, right? Or whatever he says. That fucking thing's set to go back for Belinda. Are we to believe in that five minute span? He recalibrates it to go where? So now she's going to go back and be an accomplice to this trying to run over her boyfriend in a band. Think about this is insanity. I don't think she should have got on that boat. I know it's a somewhat romantic little gesture at the end. I think Kenneth's a creep and she shouldn't have got on the boat. I think she should have gone back to her dad, given him a hug and said, I'm here. Maybe that's where she's going. In the past? Yeah. Everybody needs a hug. Maybe they're only going back like a few days. Wow. Go back before he robbed the lasers. Maybe that's oh, all I kind of like that. What if they just went back to before his crime? Maybe they just went back to before his crime and said, hey, we did it already. Let's just. Although if you go any further back in Aubrey Plaza's timeline, uh, their romance is now illegal. <laughs> 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 yes, there's this that. Is a, this is a sticky conundrum they found themselves at the end. Time travel's not to be fucked around with. Well, maybe they went far enough back and they just went to the south. So, like, the age of consent was, like, 13. So, it's all good. (laughs) They went back to, like, Pilgrim eras? Ah, eight. Pilgrim eras. There's a cabin and a plow. Pilgrim eras. That shit is going on now, man. You just go to, like, Alabama. really? Yes. What? No. Look it up. I will be looking it up after this show is over. Because that sounds just crazy enough to be true. You know that thing when people say shit and you're like, no, that's too stupid to be true. And then you're like, wait, that means it's probably true. Anywho, I I think what I'll take away from this movie, right, kind of getting ready to wrap this up, is I, I kind of like that it's messy. It's yes. messy, but not in the time travel paradise no, way. No, not at all. I like, because I again, I always believe that every character that would time travel is somewhat inherently broken. Because a person who is content, like my wife would not time travel. She likes her life. She loves her kids. She wouldn't want to lose uh, them. She wouldn't want to lose me for some unbeknown reason. She has her parents. You know, things are good. She wouldn't time travel. But there are those of us that have these unfillable gaps in ourselves. Right? And that's where this movie happens. I think what they're this movie saying that's really fascinating is that those gaps don't have to be that big. Right? There are little, like, Jake Johnson's character, I mean, his is just like, wasn't I cooler in high school? And now I'm kind of like the ultimate high school douche, but as a Mm grown-up, some people think that's fine if they lead an unexamined life, right? Like, so, his crack isn't that big, but it's still there. And he's still going to become a time-traveling villain when this is over. (laughs) So I think, again, to your point, that focusing on the journey with people and just... I think that's the thing too is there there is a cynicism inherent in time travel but this movie really shows you these these human bonds and when jake johnson says this is the moment you live for there's so many of those sprinkled through this movie i do wonder what it looks like if there's no time machine at the end i think it's far more tragic and way less interesting actually so just riddle me this, right? And we're not in the business of rewriting movies for far more talented people, right? That's not our job. If she finds Kenneth out uh, at that see book, Jurassic World? Boom! Shot fired. <laughs> Boom! Fuck you, man. Get in your time travel and go back before you got burned. <laughs> um, so we head out to the pond. Right. 
And Kenneth is flipping switches, and it looks like maybe, just maybe, it happened. Mm -hmm. And he said, were you making fun of me the whole time? I love that beat. And she's like, no, I really honestly wasn't, right? Like, I lied about the story, but the rest was really me. And he offers his hand and says, come aboard. If that thing sputters and dies and breaks down. Now we're left with this. The agents are like, look at this fucking loon. I guess he's going to federal prison for stealing lasers and shit. Definitely. But there's a, okay, we can go back to the drawing board. We can keep working on the time machine together. And I can keep playing you my fucking, you know, songs. And we can keep doing gun and karate training. Is that really that sad? That's the movie we just watched. And it was very charming. I mean, that is a fine resolution. But I do think that the whimsy of the fantastic gives a whole other element to the ending that makes that while that ending is like the real world that that ending is the actual indie version of this ending of this movie like that indie that that ending is the any other director writer combo independent film ending to this movie. But what we're doing is we're taking a piece of the fantastic and giving it to an audience that is unsuspecting of it. The whole time we're assuming that Kenneth is full of shit. So for it to actually happen beyond anything we expected. Yeah. I, it's the one time in the movie where I was like, maybe a little more on the time travel could have helped because again, I do think it actually matters on the fly as he thinks she's a liar, as she confesses, and he's like, because at the end, right, it ends with their, like, video journal. And he's like, I need someone who will have my back when the heat gets hot. Did it feel like that's what he thought about her, but 10 minutes before? Where's he taking her? I think in this one, it's the weird thing where in a, a, a kind of heartwarming, almost romantic comedy, I think, is what you'd almost call this, right? I was really worried for her when that machine disappeared. I was like, I think she's going to regret this. Maybe she will, but it's part of the journey, man. The journey is here, man. That's the trick of time travel. We're all time traveling all the time. They're traveling together. They're in their own present. And then they didn't have the balls. They sent her to her fucking death. She's a skin suit for Kenneth in the early 70s. Wow. That got dark. I tell you, I, I think nothing good comes for anyone at the end of this film. I think it's universe shadow. Like, do you remember how uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids ends? And yeah. then they're like, let's do a sequel. Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. And the kid's like rampaging through Las Vegas. Yep. And the movie ends and my mom's like, what a fun family romp. And I'm like, the world is over. As soon as they know what Zelensky did or whatever his name is, Steichnik, whatever his fucking stupid science is. It, it's Zelensky. Wayne Zelensky, right? I kept thinking of Dan Aykroyd and Tommy Boy. Neither here nor there. Once they also find out, once they find out what Rick Moranis did, the world is over. You're talking about Cheerio-sized nukes. You're talking about fucking rampaging bodybuilders roid raging through Canada. The world is over, and that's how this movie sat with me when it's over. I was like, this is gonna go so bad. Well, because none of these people learned the important lesson of the film. Well. We can cover the we can cover that when we do the pod sciences eft month. <laughs> yeah, when we get to twelve monkeys and we see what fucking these two brought upon the world, then we'll <laughs> I don't know. I again I think this is this movie is just charming and 
funny. The actors are great. The script is tight. You know, fist bump Napoleon Dynamite for doing half of the work for them. It's just, it's, it's just a really fucking well-made movie. And it doesn't get sidetracked by the genre elements. No. It just kind of gives a little bit of a ribcage to the heart of the film. Yeah, which I think is a really important thing to not get sidetracked by. That is probably the key element of this movie is that it does not allow the science fiction to create the story itself. Which is why you agree she should never have gotten on that boat. R.I.P. Darius. We'll miss you. The Kenneth Strangler rampaging in the 70s. That's it! For uh, safety, not guaranteed. It's right in the title. You get on this boat, you're fucking dead. It's in the title. Go shit. That's what I said. You're right. You're right. You got it. All right, guys. We will be back. We have three more time travel movies. If you become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash film alchemist pod, you can cast your vote for which time travel movie we should cover as our fourth entry. You can also begin to select other movies you want us to talk about over there. Please leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. You feel free to email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Find us on all the socials you're on, guys. We're easy to get a hold of. We appreciate you spending time with us. We love Thank you. Thank you so much. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. Don't get on the boat. Or get on the boat. Never get on the fucking boat.